Welcome everyone to the Pile Driver Podcast. This is episode four, uh, coming at you live right here in Louisville, Kentucky. Well, I guess not live, but I'm recording this live, so it's live to me in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I know I told you last time I was going to have a part one and a part two, but let me tell you what. I recorded part two. I was putting it into the editing, and I thought, this is crap. I'm not going to put this on there. It was so short. I didn't like what stuff I said. I wanted to redo it. And I already had a plan to do this podcast um, um, coming up, and I'll explain what I mean by this podcast. So I thought, you know what? I'll just save all that for um, for the for episode four, and just keep it as a as just a new new episode, not a not a part. I guess it's still a part two, but it's kind of it's going to have some new things in it too. So um, so, anyways, uh, we're going to get started. Actually, I want to introduce uh, my co-host for this podcast. Uh, we we talked about this for a couple of weeks, trying to plan it. It just so happens we can be able to get together. He's going to be on the show from time to time. I said it on the first episode, I kind of brought his name up that he will be on. Um, so I don't know how many how many times he's going to be on. You know, uh, we'd like to do, make it a weekly thing, but it all depends on our schedules. But uh, Clint Carroll, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Uh, Clint is a good friend of mine. We go back. We went to high school together, um, and uh, we've been both diehard wrestling fans. Clint, I believe you actually uh, even trained to be a wrestler for a I while. Trained right? about. Two two years in OVW. OVW, okay. Under Nick Dinsmore. Under Nick Dinsmore. Or Eugene, as uh, some of you Eugene, know him. Eugene. Yeah, which, now I, he, which is the head. He's the head of the NXT, right? NXT yeah, now. That's what I thought. So that's pretty good. So he trained by some good. Uh, so if he's training people in NXT, and those are the next, the new generation, then obviously he's a, he's a good cat. And um, he had a good. I think he got screwed in his run in WWE. Of course, he's going he's, he's gonna to take anything. He's going to. He, he's happy where he got to go up there, but he should have been just Nick Dinsmore. Yeah, he got his one. You know how a lot of people with creative, mm-hmm. they didn't think he had any personality, so they just stuck you with something, and you got he just it worked. But it worked. Not what, wasn't he Bischoff's nephew or something like that? Eric Bischoff's nephew. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Something like that. it started off that way. And, yeah, but it, it caught on and it worked for him and. It made him so much money. Yeah. And I mean, it did. And it was, I mean, it's it's kind of weird. You know, we're going to talk about the WB product, and I guess this is kind of just segue to it, but the WB product goes back and forth. They'll have gimmicks, and they'll go reality. Gimmicks. Then they'll go gimmicks, reality, and then sometimes they'll try to mix gimmicks with reality. And sometimes that works, but 90% of the time it doesn't work. Yeah. And... I understand uh, the gimmicks part of it. I mean, you got to have a, some sort of a gimmick. I get it, but I don't know. I mean, it worked, and I think it it, it was funny with with under the Eugene character. I think it, it it was one of those things, kind of like Santino Marello. It 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 was it was a good thing, but everyone that knows Santino knows he's really an American. You know what I'm yeah, saying? He's, he's actually from Canada. Yeah, he's well, so. yeah, and he doesn't have that accent and. No. Um, and so to make him do that all the time and then make Eugene to walk around like he's mentally handicapped and or Nick Dinsmore or whatever and knowing him for years that he that's not what he was is just it's kinda of, kinda of funny. But it made him a lot you're right, it made him a lot of money so he's happy. And plus yeah, look at what he's done now if it wasn't for him being um, what he the dedicated that he was, he might not have the job he has now. So he got he got um, tons of breaks that way and his talent you can tell he could can wrestle and do everything else. He just they just the character put him over even more than, and all the guys he has trained and put into the WWE through the OVW system back then because he was part trainer with uh, Rip Rogers. Rogers, right? So, 
they put tons of guys in over the last 10 to 50. If you look at any roster from WWE's now to some of the guys in TNA, they were all trained by guys in OVW. Yeah. And uh, now, when you trained in OVW, did you have any matches? Yeah, I had probably a total of between Battle Royals and actual matches, probably about six to ten. Okay. Did you wrestle with anybody that we would know? I had tag matches with Elijah Burke. Okay. Uh, Damian Sandow. Okay. And there was a couple of, you had a couple of guys, WWE guys, that would come in uh, on the weekends and actually train with us. Yeah. We had like Billy Gunn, Shelton mm-hmm. Benjamin, people cool. like that. Yeah. And yeah. they would, they would show different stuff through the class and how to do things and, now did you did you uh, did you just quit or did you like did they tell you you're not there's no point in going any further like was it were they pretty hardcore about it? No, they were they wasn't too hardcore. They knew some guys that this they didn't have it. They didn't have it. They would try to find the other things for them to do. Mm-hmm. Like um, we had a friend of mine that was in there. He uh, he wasn't gonna have to be an actual wrestler. He's they knew he wasn't gonna so they. Put him as a referee. He ended up getting a WWE contract out of it. So is he still in the WWE now? No, he oh. uh, he got let go probably. I'll say two or three years ago. Okay. Now, now, and the reason why I ask that because I'm looking at you now. I know you for years, but some of the people hearing this may not know who you are. But I know your physique, and I know what physique they look for. Yeah, and what they, the I was never, I was never to the point what they. Look for. Right, but you could have been there. I mean, I probably could have actually. Yeah, if I would have dedicated myself more to it, which I've always had an issue with. Yeah, because I get bored easy. I'm right, right. Lazy. I just like to lay back. Yeah, I'm that way too. I have the I have the um, the genetic um, ability um, in my the way my body is shaped, and I have relatives that are just beast looking yeah but i have the ability to be beastly now i'm not tall so i would i would be your typical um I, i'm probably a little, i'm probably a little taller than Rey mysterio but um i would be your size of i would be your small guys as in a Shawn michaels but even Shawn yeah. michaels i think is taller than me but a Shawn michaels a jericho type figure. i would be if i was to actually mm-hmm. focus and got in decent shape i would probably have been some um, i think i was about some about six foot yeah. so it's in between jericho and Say Austin, which was only like six two or six three. Six two, six three. But he was that's still that's that's right the average. But then that's he, where they liked most guys at anywhere from six foot and up. Which yeah. you, now, if you look at their product, it's completely flip flop. It is. They don't look. Well, they, they still they like still, the big. They guy. still love the giants like they did right. back in the day, but now they're allowing the anywhere from the five eleven guys to like the low six foot guys. Yeah. And they're actually running with them and letting them because Daniel Bryan, he's only like five eleven. Or six foot. Yeah, but Daniel Bryan though. So people <laughs> the, like the fans pushed him. He they wouldn't want they wouldn't make him on top. No, of they fans. would normally they wouldn't make him on top. But they have you have if you're that height you have a certain skill set. Yeah, you got to have you have to be great on the mic or you have to have a tremendous in ring ability that can get you over anyway. Right. But that's that's what they look for. But now they don't. They're not really looking to focus on one thing. They just allow anybody to go out with it. Now, when you um, when you trained, uh, you said you did it for two years. So, what made you stop? What was it? A little bit. Of, I just I didn't know if I had it, and then money wise, yeah. I wouldn't financially. I probably wouldn't. I probably should have started saving more towards the middle of it, mm-hmm. as I did, but because 
I think I only paid when I first started. I had to pay five hundred dollars for the beginner's class. And then How long did that last? It lasts you for a whole year. Oh, that's five hundred dollars. I said it was back then. I know it's more now. Yeah, it's more now. But that because I have a friend that he's in OVW now that works. Yeah. And it's like, I think it's doubled now. Yeah, it makes sense. But a thousand for a year is pretty good. So you I, have to go once a week or twice a week or something. I, at that time, it was once a week. Once a week. Like okay. Every Saturday morning for like two or three hours. Okay. And then you had to go. You went to their shove with them. They had that that night, and you set the ring up. And yeah. sometimes you would, they would do battle royals. They would allow you to work, or you just sit back and watch. And yeah. Just learn from everybody else. Now my buddy Matt Capitelli is doing the beginners. Yeah, he's the beginners uh, yeah. trainer he, now. So yeah. It was Nick, and then he got that job down at NXT, and then Matt took over after that. Yeah. Um, and it's perfect for Matt because I know. Um, Matt, I know. Yeah, he still loves it. Matt still wants to be in the business, and he just he can't physically um, can't physically can't due to his brain tumor and uh, got a piece of his uh, brain removed, and he can't take headshots. But he can tell you how to take bumps and stuff. And um, I learned quite a bit from him and uh, John Morrison. Yeah, I'm going to have Matt on the show one day soon um, to. Um, uh, I haven't. I've sent him a message. He's. Um, he said sure. Uh, let me know. But it's one of those things where it's going to be a schedule issue. Uh, I'm trying to get him on. But uh, I would love. Yeah, we're going to. I'm going to get him on the show one day. But it's just more of. Um, but that's pretty cool that he's doing that too. But so okay. So you did it for two years. Um, you had a few matches. You said Sandow. Now Sandow actually lived in Louisville for even a long time, didn't he? I believe he still does. Does he? I've still. I've seen. In, I saw him a few weeks ago at a. Uh, Mall, so St. Matthew's Mall. Cause I know he does a lot for uh, Cozier. Yeah, he does a lot of stuff for Cozier. And I know he, I don't know if he still does, but I know he's in town quite often. Yeah, well, I thought he uh, last I heard he lived over uh, not too far from where we are. Well, I won't say the area of town, but it's more. Oh, I'll say the South End. He lived in the South End, where he was living at, which is odd because most of the residents will stay out on in the Hurstbourne Lane yeah. area and stuff. Um, so um, that's pretty cool if he lives out in the in the South End. The only other person I knew that lived out here. Um, that worked for OVW slash WWE, even though I don't think he really worked for WWE, was Tim Ash. Um, let's not talk about Tim Ash, though. <laughs> He's an interesting character. But um, All right, so uh, the, let's talk about the WWE product. We'll swing board to that because we did talk about the Nick Nismore training, them and doing all that. So what do you think right now, Clint, of the WWE product? Everybody's heard my opinion on it a lot. Uh, I'm going to talk a little more about it, but what do you think about the current WWE product? Overall, in general. Overall, in general, it's decent. I just, I'm not a big storyline guy to a point. I like them, but I like more the in-ring ability and actual matches because I'm. I watch a lot of old school stuff. Mm-hmm. Back then, they didn't do a ton of storyline. They did to a point, but they like more. You got over more on your in-ring ability and. Well, they told the story in the ring. Yeah, it's it's different now. Right. They. A lot of guys can't tell a story in the ring compared without doing something outside of it. Right. That's now, the only difference. I understand what you're saying. I, I like the. I, I think what I get someone nervous about storylines is with the way the creative is now. We're gonna we're gonna touch on this. We'll just kind of talk about creative. The creative side of it because they have so many stinking writers now. Not they don't have bookers anymore. And those of you that don't really know what bookers are, bookers are people that would take a series, take a series of people. Uh, there would be former wrestlers, big people that know the business, and they would they would help build this story or build this feud around this around these characters for a couple months. 
and they would take these uh, stories and they would build this match and say, okay, this is the way you got to finish this match because it's going to set up the match you're going to have next month or it's going to set up to push us here. And they would work this thing out and it would get done. And you would have, for example, let's say you would have two people, Randy Orton and John Cena. I'm just throwing this out there. Those would be the two working, working a series, working a feud. And you would have someone like Pat Patterson be their booker. And Pat Patterson would say, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be, we're going to start in January and we're going to be building all the way to, to April. So this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to start this, this feud with you. And you would go all this, they, he would, all Pat Patterson would do was work with them on that and no one else would really touch. Oh, of course, Vince McMahon would have the say-so, the over-overall, but Vince McMahon would trust Pat to work it all out. And then Vince would maybe put in his input or maybe they would tell Vince, this is what we're going to do. Vince would take and say, okay, but add this or change this or whatever. And then we'd get to the finished product by April and it'd be amazing because of slowly going through. And Pat Patterson would only work on that. Or he may have another, he may have another thing, but Cena and Randy Orton wouldn't go talk to 50 other people about everything. It would only be Pat and maybe Vince. That would be it. Where now you'd have, if they did some kind of feud in, you would have 50 people putting in their opinions. And then you still have Vince overseeing it all, but Vince would take a little bit of here, a little bit of there, a little bit, of, and then would go. And by the time they may have an idea where they were going in April, in January, but by the time it got to April, they were never even close. They never even did what they were originally going to do. They changed so many times that it didn't get there. And that's their that's their biggest problem because they like they start off one thing, and then say a month later into the feud, you have it's nowhere near where it started off at. Yeah. You change either something happened with the talent or. It's the way they started, and they didn't like where it was, so they right. cut it off, ended up, and then did something else. And Vince used to be, and I think he still is, but he was the kind of person, watching all this stuff about the Monday Night Wars, um, the history of that, Vince was a person that when he started changing the product from the gimmicks to the real life, to the real storylines and the Attitude Era, he wasn't winning in the, battle, in the, in the ratings for a long time. I think it ended up being. It was like a. It was. It was like a year and a half. I mean, he was getting close, but it was. A, it was like two years before he I took think over. It apparently, took over. I think I don't know if it's fit, like one. Like I saw in there, actually last night when I watched one of them, was I think it was around April of '98. Yeah, it was the first time they won. Won again. Right. I don't think they officially took over till later that year. It was. It was. It was uh, December of '98 when they officially yeah. took over, and they never. They never lost the ratings again. But they were going back and forth. But. The Attitude Era started around late '96, late '96, close to pretty, pretty much '97, yeah. uh, with the whole um, and uh, well, well, we'll get into that later. But it was it was a feud that kind of started and it's kind of getting more real, real. They were getting away from gimmicks and, and things like that, um, and they went into this more realization because that's what the WCW was doing with the whole NWO and and all that. So they went into this 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 way. And Vince though took that direction and slowly started turning that Attitude Era back and he held on to that um for a long time he said no this is going to work and he slow he knew it was going to change overnight or now it seems like when creative has an idea if they if one week it bombs they switch it yeah they're done they're done with it and that you can't you know i remember reading um uh well actually didn't read i think it was in uh chris jericho said on this podcast or something or an interview he was talking about the original plans for him and CM Punk's feud when he came back. And I think it's going to be in his new book coming out. Um, but he was talking about the original plans. And the original plans for that feud was instead of Jericho getting on um, CM Punk being his family being an alcoholic and he's a straight edge and all this stuff and using that part of it, it was going to be a using the ta- it was going to be about his tattoos. And Jericho was actually going to 
personally strap him down in the ring and for and have and have him tattooed on his body. And CM Punk was for it because anybody that knows anybody that deals with tattoo have a tattoo. Anybody that deals with tattoos knows that it's a special thing. And when you put a tattoo on your body, it has to be special and everything. CM Punk liked the idea of yeah, you put this tattoo on, it's going to drive me crazy. It's going to build a feud. Well, Vince liked it at first, and then all of a sudden he said, "No, let's not do it." And he completely changed it up. And they came up with this whole storyline with the with the um, with the alcoholic thing and the, and all that. And it I mean, it worked. It built a feud, but. I, Thinking about what the original storyline was going to be and how him and Punk was on board and how they planned it all out, I was like, "That was amazing! <laughs> Why didn't they go with that?" You would figure with uh, the kind of clout that Jericho has, he would have more so, and they would go with more of his idea than they would occur. Well, they they both pushed for it, and Vince just didn't. He thought it was too. He said, "No, we need to keep it more PG." But if you think about it, mm-hmm. PG. There's nothing wrong with that too. No, it, that's not really. And that's another thing about the product. It needs to get away from PG. Yeah. At least make the first hour. If you're going to have three-hour programming, which is terrible anyways to have, you need a two-hour show. But if you're going to do a three-hour programming, make the first hour PG. Make the, the second hour, third hour TV 14. You know, you got to get rid of The PG is killing the business. Um, you went away from PG back in the 90s, and it worked all this time. Yeah, because it lasted from, I would say, probably 90. Two late ninety two early to all the way probably to it was two thousand nine I think is when they got rid of PG two thousand nine mm-hmm. is when or when they got rid of but they've had different eras of PG gimmicks where yeah. yeah you can have PG gimmicks inside TV fourteen yeah. they did it all the, Eugene we talked about that yeah. that's another one you did all these you can have these gimmicks inside of it but you, it just and I'm all about I'm all about cleaner stuff and PG when I mean by PG fourteen I mean by showing more blood showing more realism when yeah. you go PG like you know. They, you know, they, you can't, you know, you, you, you hit somebody over the head with something or you, you know, they get, they actually get cut on their arm. All of a sudden it's a big thing. They got to try to cover it up. It's like, it's blood. It's a match. You're, you're going to have blood. It's just, you know, I'm, 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 I'm all about or against the whole chair shots to the head. I'm okay with that. I understand the whole concussion thing. Mm-hmm. You got to protect your head, but. That, that's not what I mean by going TV 14. And I don't mean by being raunchy either. That's not what I mean by that either. I just mean allow, you know, they, there's a lot of innuendo still done, a lot of cussing still done in, in, on the show, but allow more violence and more realism yeah, that's the, where they can have a more of a creative creative. The better outcome. product is if it's more reality-based. Yeah, more reality-based. You don't want... It's all right to have the, the innuendos every once in a while, but... In general, you just want more reality-based characters. You want more reality-based things in general because right. it gets over better with the crowd than it would kind of making jokes of people like right now, like with Sandow. That's stuff's stupid. Right. You can't. You pretty much ruined him talent-wise because nobody's ever going to take him serious. Yeah. It started off good with him, and. Yeah. I don't know if he made somebody mad or if he did something That's wrong. That's what I've heard. He's made. He's made. The, he's made um, he probably made the wrong person mad. Uh, now they're just gonna. Another friend of mine who um, still has ties to the business and is an OVW person, Kenny Bowen. He um, he told me that Sandow pretty because he's friends with Sandow pretty well, and he said that Sandow's pretty much um, just he's he's made somebody mad and he just he can't he can't even blink without you know him having to look around his shoulder and I don't know what. I didn't go. He didn't go into detail what it is on it, and probably because he might know. I might. Maybe he thinks I might reveal it in the podcast. If he told me not to tell anybody, I won't. But 
he um, obviously he did something that was bad. And I think Dolph Ziggler did the same thing. Mm-hmm. They but now they're finally starting to slowly push, push him, back, push him up, back up, which he should be in the main event status for people. But yeah, I think because he has the best, he's one of their best in ring guys to have. Yeah, what do you think about the old Brock Lesnar Cena feud right now? To a point, I, I like it. I like how they're building Brock because. As many as people don't like him, he is really good in the ring. I think he's really good in the ring just for his uh, size and ability and the things he can do. There ain't no... Oh, he's athletic for sure, yeah. There's no guys really in the business that we know of that can do, at his size, that can do the stuff he can do. Right. But am I a fan of him? No. But I I like the way they're building it up. Cena, everybody knows about Cena where it's... One minute you might like him, the next minute you're just tired of him. Which, a lot of people have right now, that's what they're in the point of. Well, Cena, here's the thing about Cena. I, I used to, I couldn't stand Cena for a long time. Um, I loved Cena when he first when he first came, oh, I, came to WWE. His first, uh, when he first got called up, I loved that part where he was kind of like the rapper and did all the... Yeah. Well, I mean, in, you know, I knew him as the prototype in OVW. Yeah. And, and, and any, anybody that came up with OVW always tried to support and I always was happy, whether they were a heel or a face. I... I liked that. I was like, yeah, you know, when Randy Orton came up and Batista, and I was all for. Even when Batista had the stupid Decon or um, not Devon, uh, Deacon Batista. I mean, I was happy he got caught up, and I thought the gimmick was crazy, but I was happy he got caught up. Um, I think they should have kept him his Leviathan gimmick and brought him up that way, but mm-hmm. uh, but it worked out because when he became the animal, the beast Batista, it, it was kind of tied into the whole Leviathan yeah. thing. What it was, what it, what they were trying to do in OVW, but. With the whole prototype and John Cena, I was supportive and I liked it. Uh, but I got tired of Cena because it was like they almost tried to keep pushing Cena down your throat. And that's where I think WWE gets a problem. They, they try to push. They still push do it. Yeah, yeah, they still do it. Um, but what, I, what, what I've, what I, in the last year, I've really, really become to like John Cena. And it's because I'm appreciating more because I'm looking at him as a, as a worker, as a mm-hmm. wrestler. I'm looking at him like if I was one of the boys. He's a lot better in-ring talent than people think. Oh, he, he's one of the best. Now, he has more. I know he has the five moves of death or whatever they call yeah. it. You know, the five mo- he has actually. He can actually put on a decent wrestle match if he has to. But yeah, I know and he's really good on the mic. Yeah, he, he really is. is. He has a good promo. He can be goofy like The Rock and be funny. Mm-hmm. But he can be serious and passionate like The Rock could be. And yeah. I think that's kind of where I used to, because you know, me being a Rock fan growing up, I used to think, oh, he's just, you know, whatever. He's just... He's just another repeat of The Rock. and you know. Buddy! Oh, sorry about that. My dog was barking a little bit. <laughs> Scared me to death. Um, but no, um, he, uh, what I like about with, with The Rock is that he, you know, he, The Rock was like that. The Rock would be funny. The Rock would be, and I, I loved The Rock when he was a heel or a face. It, it didn't matter to me. But Cena, I would just be like, okay, you try to be like The Rock. And I took him the wrong way. But now as I'm looking at him, like if, what if I was one of the boys? He is the best worker out there right now. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not the best. I mean, there's a lot of good workers. He was, he was one of the... But he's top. I mean, he can make... He, he had a match with the Great Khali and made, he had a great match. And we know the Great Khali is not a great worker. No. So if you can have a match with the Great Khali... But one of my favorite matches that John Cena had was that Monday Night uh, Raw match against Sandow. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And that showed you... And some people say, well, he carried him. No, I think Sandow is such a good worker that he can it work worked with out. Anybody. Yeah. And I thought that was going to help Sandow take off, and then of course they buried him with the with the stupid gimmicks he's mm-hmm. doing. But um, 
But Cena's great. Yeah, I love what they're doing with the whole Brock. Now, there is a um, a thing out there that Cena, something's going to happen with his character right now. They need uh, him to change a little bit in his character. I, I hope, well, they need to make him more edgier, not so much turn him heel. Yeah, I don't think, you, you can't turn you, him heel. You, you, you can, but... The only way it's going to work to turn him heel is, is you got to do what you did with Cena, or with, with CM Punk. You're going to have to put him with Hayden, Heyman. And right now, it won't work out to go with Heyman. He's in the uh, same situation back when uh, Hogan was with the uh, joined the NWO. Cena's had a what twelve year run now yeah. of nothing but straight face, pretty much. Well, he had a heel. He had a heel moment when he was in second. Yeah, and small, but other than that, they got over his face. Yeah, and he's been like that for the whole thing. He's not. Cha- he's changed to a point, but not much, and. Like they got to now, everyone's getting pointed to the stale. Nobody likes it. No, he's a kid. He, uh, I mean, he's their, he's the like, kids still love him. He's their Ho- he's their Hogan of this generation. He is, and everybody's wanting to turn heel. And and like Hogan, see, back, Hogan, Hogan back in the day when before he joined the NWO, he he fought about it because he didn't want to do it because he has the same thing with Cena, all the kids and all these yeah. things he does for like Make a Wish. But see, with like Hogan that. though. It was the best decision ever made. Yeah, it, wouldn't it, added, work, it wouldn't have worked with anyone else. But it home. added a, probably another five to six years onto his career. And it was the smartest move that could. Yeah, it added a lot more. Well, in. yeah, and then it. Uh, it what made him richer? When it yeah, when it did when he added because the only person that at first the original guy was going to Sting. Well, Sting, but it had to be a WWE guy. It had to be. It had to be Hogan, so it worked. But see, with Cena right now, if Cena went heel, I don't think it would work. I'll say this: He just—he's good at what he—he's good at what he is right now. Mm-hmm. Whether you boo him or you love him, he's getting—you're getting a reaction no matter what. Whether people are saying "Let's go, Cena, Cena sucks," he's getting a reaction. Yeah. So he's still top. When he's not getting a reaction, that's the problem. That's when you need to change something up. That's the problem with WWE now. You don't know who's heel or face. Right. Like you cheer, like for example, the Wyatts—they're portrayed mostly as heels. But if you watch any other shows or you go to any other live events. They're over them more than some of the other guys are. They are. They're face. over. It's like well, it's like the Undertaker back in the day. Yeah, the Undertaker was a heel, and because he was portrayed as a heel for years, and but, and, but the fans loved him cool. so much. It did. Same with Stone Cold Steve Austin was supposed mm-hmm. to be a heel, and it didn't yeah. work out. Never works. Stone Cold. Yeah, it never works. And especially in this era, like the Shield was getting over too. That's why they had to split them up. Yeah, because they were uh, all heels, and eventually, in this era of wrestling right now, the anti-hero is the best way to go. Mm-hmm. And like on Jim Ross's podcast, he's like they they don't have any heels or faces, but back then you don't sell heel merchandise either, right? And that's because you were right there basically supporting somebody you're supposed to. The only, the only the only heel merchandise they ever sold was NWO. Yeah, <laughs> or and, and with DX when they were heel at first, but they became face immediately. Yeah, they were. Um, but yeah, that was. Um, but yeah, that's you're right, and and. But back to you know, like about the product is that I think um, what they need to do is they need to get a little more reality based. Um, I'm loving the Rock and C- the Brock, C- Brock Cena thing. I do think there's a I've heard that he might become a Paul Heyman guy. I've heard a lot of things about Cena might. I don't know how that would work unless the only way that work is if Heyman screwed Lesnar and, and then Cena won the title. And but it, you can't you can't take the title off Brock right now. You gotta keep Brock with the title until WrestleMania. You just got to. Um, you gotta. I want the match. I think the match needs to be more dom. Needs to be more um, even. 
Yeah, a little bit this more. Next even round, night of champions. But you got to keep Brock's got to go on top. Um, you know, you the, talked about heel and face. We uh, we're going to talk about this later, but we'll, since you bring it up, we'll segue to it. And Jim Ross has talked about it. You got to bring rules back to the game. You got to make time limits. You got to bring open, no close fists. You got to put some kind of rules so that that way heels can cheat. That way you can know who the heel in the face is. So the heels cheating. The heels doesn't cheat anymore. I mean, um, you might see a few here and there finishes that way. Yeah, but it's so. Uh, it's almost like if the if the face it's like the face can cheat and the and the crowd yeah. goes nuts yeah, and it's like they're they're one in the two but it's like you're supposed to see the face get screwed mm-hmm. you know and you're supposed to see that happen and uh, it's now where it's anymore that the heel can't screw you the face has got to get yeah, get one overhand and then and it works perfect but it is, it's, it's <laughs> you have to you have to have one heel or face and if you want the heel to get over there has to be things that he can do. To get the crowd going, by other than just bringing heat onto himself by yeah. like cheating, like for example, they uh, like Jim Ross was talking about, you get a guy up on the top of the, your on the second rope hitting him ten times, open hand or with your closed fist, but there's no bruising. And the rush is like counting one, yeah. two, and you're like he's not going to do anything. No. You know, you need to have it where you need to go back to where if the ref gets touched, you get fined. Yeah, stuff like that. It doesn't. It falls on the talent in general, but it's also teaching the refs. That's not. If you look at old takes, how the refs actually. Yeah. Got a little more like say if someone was hitting them with a close fist, they would go in and break it up. Yeah. Now they're like. Right. They're barely even doing anything. And, and the other thing too about that is that you look back at. Um, I was going to talk about the authority a little bit, but back then when they used to have a WCW, WWE WCW president, you know, they were in charge. They may have got involved in the storyline, but they were pretty much they were the main person. Yeah. So like, they would talk. So if someone so and so find they release a statement or make a statement, you know, so and so is going to be fine this much money. So and so can have this match today, whatever. Now you have the authority that the only time they would use something like a fine or whatever is when it deals with their storyline. They mm-hmm. want to screw Cena or they want to screw somebody else, Daniel Bryan yeah. or whoever that is in the storyline. They don't even pay attention to the other stuff. And it's like, and then you have a raw general manager, whatever that means, and then the raw general manager. You know, it's usually the heel, usually mm-hmm. somebody that no one likes, and they're just part of some kind of storyline. It's like you don't have somebody that's just an overall good person in charge, and they're gonna make, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna find the face just as much as they find the heel. Yeah. Um, you know, and that kind of stuff, and you, that's what they need. And then you go back to something like that, uh, but it's hard when you have this authority figure, and you have Triple H as the CEO, CCO, and or COO or whatever. And then you have Stephanie as one of the potential owners, and they're running the business. It's like, it doesn't matter what anybody under them will say, they're going to change their mind. It's no right? different back to like yeah. in, I think it was in late 98 when they did like the corporation thing. Yeah. there was They had a general manager, I think, on for a little bit, but I think Shawn Michaels did it. Shawn Michaels was the, he was, but he was, he kinda, was the commissioner. Yeah, commissioner. They, well, I think they had him, Sergeant Slaughter. He, yeah, Sergeant they, Slaughter. Well, Sergeant Slaughter got, yeah. was gone. That was right when did, but when Sean actually, this is when Sean left. They brought him back. I think it was in ninety eight or ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, Sean was the commissioner, and he was like the charges. Something like that. But yeah. now, well, Grandma yeah. soon was the president, and it was a great role. And then of course, yeah. his health, and then he ended up passing away. But then, yes, Sergeant Slaughter do the commissioner role. They they never gave the president name after they they no after uh, Grandma Monsoon, which made sense. I agree that you know he's, he has such a great uh, tradition. That makes sense. Maybe they, maybe as a respect, they want to keep him as yeah. the last president. The commissioner thing, you that, that was a good good thing. Then they change it to 
general manager right. when they switched the brands with Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, SmackDown. Cause you had, um, I think Stephanie was one of them at one time on SmackDown. Then you had Eric Bischoff on Raw. I think the first was the first one. I thought it was Flair and Bischoff at first. It might have been. Yeah. Um, something like that. Or maybe it was Stephanie. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. Um, but, you know, you got other things like, uh, you know, I like the whole Brie and Stephanie and now with Nikki, which that was a, you know, I knew that was going to come. And, of course, Brie and Nikki's going to have a match. And Yeah. It's, I guess, I, I guess I think what's going to happen is, it, it, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's, you know it's going to do it. Nikki's going to turn him back on, on Stephanie and go with Brie. It's a, it's an all right feud, but it's, as much as I like, I think the Village ones are decent in-ring people. Yeah. But they're horrible. It just... Yeah, it, they're, they're, they're Mike Work needs work. Needs, yeah. needs work. Now, the whole, when Nikki went off on the thing, and the, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I just yeah. don't like them. I think they need... Well, this part where they kind of intertwine up with AJ and mm-hmm. Paige. They should have never done that. They should let Paige and AJ do their own thing because... That's an actual decent quality. Paige feud. and AJ is a good feud. They don't need to intertwine uh, one of the, the Bella twins into that one. Cause, I really like what they're doing. Because Paige and AJ. and AJ are tremendous on the mic and entering. Yeah, quality. they can put when five you, star matches on their period. When you, <laughs> when all the, I, I, I I DVR raw. I usually catch it up. I usually start watching about an hour and a half later. Um, Sometimes I'll watch it live, but for the most part, it's I usually catch up live to by the time it's in the last, you know, final moments. But the um, <laughs> when I'm fast forward, when I normally fast forward women's feuds, I don't care about it. But Paige and AJ has got me every time. I stop. Mm-hmm. I'm not fast forwarding anymore. And I've seen Paige. I watched AJ once on an independent show. Yeah. And she was awesome in the ring and on on the mic. And then now you see her, and she's ten times better. Yeah. And then you put Paige, which she's been in NXT for a couple of years now. And then right. they finally called her up, and she's her in-ring ability is ten times better than people think. And she's good on the mic. I think she's getting better and better every her, week. The feud they got going on with them is amazing. I, I think you could keep that feud. They go for to, a while. They you keep it going all the way to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. You can mix you can mix some girl, other girls into you it. You can just, intertwine with different ones. Just to get it get it some other something new, mm-hmm. like around for like the Survivor Series and Royal Rumble and stuff like that. But here's something that I think they should try. I think at the Royal Rumble, they should do a fifteen woman battle royal mm-hmm. for the to play to fight the champion at WrestleMania. Yeah, they should. Because I know the women's and the men's are on a different level. Yeah, but they should still get some of the same. Yeah, change. you do. In, in, I'll say fifteen because obviously the other one's thirty, or maybe ten. Maybe it's a ten more than bat. Something where you know it start, and you don't have to do it like the World Rumble where every thirty seconds someone comes out, or what not. You can have them all just yeah, come in the ring and time. start. Um, but I think they should. I think they should. And I think that. they should cut. The, the bad thing about on in their women's division on the main roster is you have two or three that can actually work. And do a quality show, and the rest of them are there because it's their looks. Right, right. And if you now, actually, if you would flip flop the roster, bring up some of the women from NXT, sorry, say that. and put them on there and mix, you would have a tremendous window, especially with if you had like Ric Flair's daughter, uh, Charlotte. Charlotte, yeah. You got um, 
Which I mean, right there, just being the daughter of Ric Flair is amazing. Yeah, which I've heard that they're working on bringing her up, and Flair's going to be her manager. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the way they're going to bring him back. It's the deal with some kind of thing, but if you would take half of NXT's uh, women's wrestlers up and say you replace three or four of the ones that are already on there that can't really work, like right. Eva Marie, uh, Rosa Mendez, and the other, guy, other lady of um, that was part of the Funkadactyls. Cameron or... Uh, Cameron. Not, uh, not Naomi. I think she, which Naomi was actually, I think she's pretty good in the ring. Yeah. It was funny. Cam, Cameron was the one that, um, she was on Tough Enough. Do you yeah. remember that? She was the one that, I think the first girl that got booted out. And I remember her because Stone Cold asked her what her favorite match was. And she said <laughs> it was a match between... Um, What's her name? Uh, the girl that's married to the um, MMA guy or the uh, Gracie guy. Um, Eve Torres. Eve Torres, yeah. Her match against somebody else. That was her favorite match of all time. And it was like a it was like a match that was just done like three months before. Probably yeah, a couple weeks before that. And, she, and he goes, you mean to tell me that's your favorite match of all time? And she's like, yeah. And she was like, yeah. And because that was pretty much all she's seen, she looked at the business as a as a glamour thing to get in there because she wanted to model she and stuff like does. that. What's right? And he called her out, and now I can't believe they end up sending her wherever and worked her out. I don't know. Yeah, she's, but I think she went straight to well at the time was SCW Florida Championship Wrestling. Yeah, she did. And they signed her not too long after that. Yeah, they did. And then of course the whole Total Divas thing, which um, you know is. It, it's a decent show, but it's... Well, it's all staged. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's reality. They're all in character mode. They're all in character, right. And uh, it's all... They film as... It's, it's any reality show. Sorry, people that love reality shows. All reality shows are written. They're, they take... Everything you see is probably the third or fourth take. They reshot that over and over. So the feuds and fights that you see is acting. Um, so, um, and, I, and if that just weren't your reality show thing, I'm so sorry, but that's the truth. And if you don't want to believe it, then just don't believe it. But that's the truth. Um, so, uh, yeah, they just, they, they reshoot all that over and over. And then, like, you know, the whole, like, um, they pick a storyline when Nikki was, didn't tell, John didn't know she was married before. And they got, come on. <laughs> well, you can Google it now. I mean, come on. You, John's can, you, not, can, you, you know. can look up a lot of things and find out about a lot of people. Right. Way before what they were even on TV before. No. Exactly. It's, it's hilarious, but, um, and they, you know, it is what it is. And I, and I think they, you know, it's, it's so funny how they, how they kayfabe so much, but then they, but then they reveal so much. Yeah. And I wish like, they would, that's one I learned when I was in, not to tell everything. You can, to a point, you can look, but you keep a lot of things close to your best. Uh, yeah. You don't, well, there is one person, I'm not going to say his name, but there's one person that still to this day will not break Kate Fed. And this person will always be in character mm-hmm. every time. And I'm not, I'm not going to ruin their, this, who it is. So they're a well, very well-known person. It interviews, anything they ever do, they will never break Kate Fed. And it's like, I, they're, they're old school. And even people that are close to them have break Kate Fed, but they will not do it. And... Um, it is what it is, and some people will, some people won't. It goes back, and it all started when everything started. When it, well, it may go back to the whole uh, curtain call at Madison Square Garden with the um, the click. click, but 
it really got a big exposure in 1997 with the screw, the Montreal screw yeah. off. Once that happened, and when all, a few months after, and the reveal, and then you had the the behind the scenes story and all that. The and they rest put, of I the think shadows. they put. They also yeah put the rest. Of, actually, which I watched that a few weeks ago on uh, on demand. Yeah, I've seen it. I had the actual VHS. I yeah, mean, I had the VHS, but I heard the DVD. There's a newer newer version of it I that's think been so. done. I need to. Uh, but it's and it shows. All of the build up to it, how it's supposed to go, right, right. The, how they flipped it right in five minutes before the show. Yeah, well, they, um, yeah, because they uh, knew the situation coming up. Yeah, you know, they probably could have done it different ways instead of the way they did it. Done different ways, but it, it really changed the business, though. Yeah, in a way, it, it kind of started off. At that time, they were doing these. I think McMahon were doing a vignettes. Where he would come out and talk about how he was, they were going to change where they were not going to insult people's intelligence. Yeah. And they did them for like, I think three or four weeks in a row. Every, he had a good yeah. two or three minute monologue right there in between. Inter- or well, things. it got to the point where he was like, Vince is what did it. It was because WCW was still keeping it that way. and mm-hmm. uh, But Vince, Vince was, Vince is what pretty much did it. He <laughs> said, let's break it. And then, and because it was already done, it was already broken with the screw job. So he's like, "Let's do it. Let's just break it." So you would still have some things were still right. Some things were not exposed, um, but they got to the point where they just they didn't care anymore. No. And um, and in a way they had to because if they didn't, they right now we could be in a situation where it's WCW not WWE. True. And then you had the um, and then and then of course when Owen Hart died and you had that that happen where they. You know, said on there. This is not a storyline. It's not a wrestling thing. This is real life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing with they, I think they said the same thing the month before the screw job was when Brian Pillman died and they were at the pay per view and he was supposed to have a match. Yeah, he was with Goldust. I, I remember the match. Yeah, because it was. It was even a few with Goldust going. October. Yeah, yeah it, it was Octo- that it was, bad blood. He yep. was supposed to have. A, I think it was the final. Final match with Goldust. It was. Um, I think it was the end of the thirty-day thing with him and Marlena. Marlena, you're right, because they had they started it in Louisville. They mm-hmm. had their match. He's, That's when he won. Yeah, but um, and they kind of said something too. This is not a storyline. It's not an angle. He really passed away. Blah blah blah. And um, so, but you know, it goes all the way back to that. But yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's one thing that uh, you know about the about the business is so so exposed now. You know, it's still there's still people that still believe. It. There's still marks out there mm-hmm. that still believe it, uh, and that's going cool. Kids do too. You know, kids think that so and so is is, you know, John Cena fans. The kids still think John Cena is, you know, who he is or whatever, and he's not. You know, but yeah. you know, uh, talk about a couple of the products here. And we're gonna go to segue to some other things. Um, what do you think about the whole Roman Reigns? You think he's ready to? You think he's ready he, for the title? I believe he will be. Not yet. Right. They like most people say. Hopefully, by WrestleMania 31, he will be. I just hope between now and then, his creative stays that's, where it that's, is. That's the ultimate. This is all about his creative. Because overall, I think he's awesome. Because his in-ring ability's gotten better every week to week. I think he's a little bit better on the mic than people think. Because even though he doesn't have a ton of mic mm-hmm. time, which I'm sure he still needs work on it. Right. But if he if they do the creative right and all that and build it all the way up to 31, he will be perfect to take over after that. Because right now, he's probably their 
second or third uh, over guy in the company. Yeah. Behind uh, Daniel Bryan, Cena, and all them. So. Yeah. You know, one of the things, uh, one of the um, things that I'm liking, I do like what they're doing. I do agree with you on the creative side of it. they got to keep this thing going on. I don't think that if they, um, I think that if, if, it would be cool to have if everything goes as planned and goes good and this character works up. It, it'd be smart to have him win the Royal Rumble. But I there's one way, one angle you can do for WrestleMania 31 that I think would be bigger and better than Roman Reigns. And this is this is my opinion on this. I would love that. Could it happen? It could. Could it? Could it not happen? Is it more likely not to happen? Yes. But I think what you do is you try to get. I deal back with CM Punk. Keep it hush that, hush. That would be the only way. You keep it hush hush because think about it. Brock Lesnar beat the crap out of CM Punk. Mm-hmm. The last time it was there. Last time it was there. And, and that feud wasn't over. No. Because it was really just starting to get halfway decent. Right. It was supposed to, he finished it off with Heyman, but they were going to have another rematch. Mm-hmm. But they never, but they it couldn't work it out because of the whole schedule thing. But they would have had another rematch. That so, would be the only way that you can push. But, but CM Punk has never got his WrestleMania, WrestleMania moment or WrestleMania. Well, it's WrestleMania main event. Yeah, main was, event. That he, that's all he wants. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you bring Cena back, or CM Punk back, and you have Punk win the Royal Rumble. Make him a surprise entry. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I would make him a surprise entry. Make him a surprise entry. Make him win the Royal Rumble. And then Brock Lesnar has a match at the Royal Rumble. Make CM Punk come out of the out the match. Maybe that's where it should, it maybe maybe he could ha- be having the match with um, Seth Rollins. You know, cash yeah. in the Money in the Bank. You know, for that's the the bad thing with that now since they have Lesnar. Well, I think they're going to switch that. I don't know because I think Seth Rollins could eventually down the road. Well, I think the authority is going to go face. Yeah. My opinion is that Brock is going to Brock and Heyman is going to rule the world. That the authority is going to get mad that they're in control yeah. and they're not. They can't be in control of him. So that finally they're going to say we need to. And so then they're going to want to try to take him down. But you yeah. got to make Brock the ultimate heel to do that. You which make, right now they don't have a ton of heels. No ultimate heels. Triple H and Stephanie. Yeah. Which you don't want. Yeah. That. No, you don't. That's know. why they're building now, building Brock the way he is. Because nine times out of ten, most people don't like him anyways. You just add Heyman, which is the best heel manager. Yeah. And you don't even have to have Brock talk. No, Brock don't need to talk. And you can get him over as a heel. Right. Because you don't want... You already have enough Stephanie and Triple H on a uh, show every night. You have them three to four times yeah. or more on a show. You don't... Almost to a point, you get too much of them. Now, here's, here's what I want to see... Um, Here's what I want to see. Here's a few that I want to see happen, start around Survivor Series and go all the way to WrestleMania. I want to see Dolph Ziggler and Dean Ambrose mm-hmm. have an intercontinental title, long-running feud, switching back and forth for the title. Yeah. That'll it, it'll remind it reminds me the way the way they are right now in their career. Well, Dolph should have been there a long time ago, which he has been the world. He's been there and back, and but. The way they are right now in their career, and the way they can build them up, is that it reminds me of Rock and Rock and Triple H. Mm-hmm. How Rock and Triple H 
built that up and had they it, fought yeah. back and forth for the intercontinental title in like the for late ninety eight. Yeah, all the way through whole ninety eight pretty much until mm-hmm. the until ninety nine really until yeah, well until uh the Rock the whole corporation and the Rock became got the world title mm-hmm. in, in uh, November. But they um if they have a good feud right now he's got the little thing going miss and I get that. But the next yeah. but after after Ambrose is done with this whole stuff with the authority and all that, uh with Seth Rollins and Kane and um I think you got to push him into that, but one of them would have to be healed, and both of them are face right now. Yeah. So you would have to, and I think you have to make Ambrose the face or the heel. Because I think he would be a better heel than he. He's good as a face. I love what he's doing right but now. But they, he would be better off as a heel. Yeah. But the, the way they got him now, since he's just, they'll finish up the feud here pretty soon with him and Rollins. Now I think Rollins' next opponent is probably going to be in Roman Reigns. Yeah. And then they'll go on from there. But cause like the match they had at SummerSlam, I think it was him and uh, Rollins was good. Yeah. Uh, they which they have good quality matches all the time. Yeah. But they he'll I think Ambrose will be better as a heel. Just it fits his character more better as a heel than it would be really as a face. Yeah. But now let's um let's talk about the WWE Network. You have the network. You you got it the first day it came out. Yeah. Uh, everybody knows that I didn't get it for a few months afterwards, um, but when I got it, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did. I just, I waited um, a little bit. Obviously, one of the reasons why I didn't really have a way to watch it, I didn't want to just watch it on the computer. I wanted to have it on my TV, and I had to work out some ways to get it that way. But um, I got it. I got it. Uh, I got it worked out. I love it. But I have a lot of ideas to make the network better, and I've shared them on this podcast. Um, I'll do a couple of them real quick. Is of course you know instead of I know they're, they're killing this with 9.99 which is great, but make it 14.95 version for just a month where you can just just get it. Um, also put original content on there, more original content. I know that takes a lot of money. I get that, but hey, you have to have more content. Take some of the DVD stuff, release maybe take some things. I'm gonna release this on DVD. Some things I'm gonna only release on the network. Well, they should actually what they should do. Other, on in the same thing when they release their DVDs like they do on every month to month basis. Yeah. What they should do is also release them on DVD and on the network at the same time. I think. Well, it would draw their DVD sales. They wouldn't sell. I get that. Um, but what I'm thinking is, say, well, say you're going to get ten bucks from instead of twenty bucks from them. But well, say say you know that you're spending. Um, say you know you're going to Paul Heyman DVD. Then you also know I'm getting ready to release a Sting DVD, a Best yeah. of Sting DVD. I ain't gonna lie, I'm going to buy that before. Yeah, and then and then maybe we're gonna reveal we're gonna re- reveal a uh, release a top 50 OMG moment. You know, like, that's, 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 just have it. Yeah. So you so instead say okay, the Heyman DVD we're gonna sell in the stores. The Sting DVD we're gonna sell in the stores. This OMG DVD we're gonna put on the network mm-hmm. exclusively only on the network. You can't even buy the DVD. Yeah. It's exclusively on you the just, network. You just got to pick and choose which one you want to put on. Right, and then you, and then every once in a while you have a big one. You have a, a similar to Paul Heyman, only on the network. Mm-hmm. And that would work out. But here's the way you do it, though: you don't allow people to watch it anytime they want. You let them. You you make them where it comes on. You know, we're gonna release this special Sunday night at eight o'clock. You know, this Sunday you you advertise it for the whole month. You advertise this is what it is. And then you you know you have an encore f- showing of it another month from now or whatever it is, 
But the only way they're going to see this from the network, and that way people will buy it, people mm-hmm. will get it, they want to watch that, because, um, you know, the little things like that. And then, of course, I've talked about you need a, you know, there's so much content out there on TV, but you need to make, you have to make stuff exclusively only on the network. And I'm not just talking about NXT or Superstars or Main Event or... Yeah, like they do those on a weekly basis, but... you got to make something that the crowd, that the crowd or fans are going to be like, wow, I don't get this one from only on the network. Maybe make some live tours, live shows, yeah, I think, I house know, shows. Which I thought they might eventually do is put at least once or twice a month, put a house show on there. Put a house show on there. Put or put um, the ending of Raw. Put the you know Raw ends at ten on five. Put the last twenty minutes on there. But have something you know all of a sudden allow some kind of feud to happen or something going on, and uh, and they'll say, oh, "We gotta go. We're out of time." You know, see the nest on the WWE Network and. He was going to run and turn on the network. And yeah. then, but the way to make that work, and I think I brought this up before, is you can't show the replay on SmackDown, what you've just seen, because people would just wait to see what, what they missed on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. You've, and you, you've got to, you've got to um, only show still pictures like they do for the pay-per-views. Yeah, back then. This is what's shown on. This is what showed. And that was only exclusively on the WWE Network. So you're never going to see it unless you have It's like back in the day when they used to, used to, used to they would talk about the pay-per-views the night before. Right. They would never show actual video. They, they could. Would, they would always show still photos of right. the pay-per-view. And they say exclusive on, back then, VHS. Uh, on, you know, do your paper provider or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or WWE Video when it was released. So. Yeah. Yeah, those are ways to make the network good. And I think, I think... Which I still love the network to me because no, I still love the network. Network's still worth nine ninety nine for what they have. You're gonna be wrong. Of all the stuff they do have on there, there is so much content on there now that you can watch it for days and not even touch a quarter of it because you got all the pay per views. Which to me, my was which I loved all the older pay per views. I loved like when I grew up, I watched a lot of WCW, mm-hmm. and I always wanted all their pay per views. Now I have. Right. Every single one, of, which I always was a WWF guy too, or WWE. Right. But I, I'm always, I'm all around. I like all of them. I did. Well, well, see the thing about that though is that the hardcore wrestling fans like me and you, you're, uh, you're more hardcore than me because you watch a lot of in the ground stuff that I don't watch. But, um, the hardcore wrestling fan is going to get the network and they're going to love it because they want to watch all the wrestling. Yeah. But for someone that really doesn't care about how all those old pay per views. And all that stuff, yeah, you got to you got to do something to, to get them interested. And it's, and, and and it's, probably, it's probably a fifty-fifty thing. You have fifty percent of the audience is only really up to what they've seen recently. Then you have fifty percent of the audience that would watch it for everything. Yeah, and um, you know the the the, the pay per views are self pays for it. By yeah, long. just the new pay per views. You just have yeah. a week. The monthly pay per views is well worth it because. Right. They're getting to a point now. It's outrageous to even order. It was ordering the pay per view almost fifty bucks. Right. Yeah, it's getting crazy. Um, let's talk about the uh, your your you fans. I don't watch the product at all. I think I maybe once once every two months I might catch catch uh, twenty minutes of the show. TNA. You you watch TNA. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the TNA product. What do you think? What's going the on? The TNA with product it? itself, in ring, is good. Which they're. Their problem, biggest problem, always will be they can't, they'll never match WWE in storylines. Right. They have, and then one thing I've enjoyed about them, they they do push a lot of the younger guys more 
like recently they had two guys that got released from uh, NXT down in Florida, which got hired on by TNA. Uh, you have Ethan Carter III, and uh, this, which came in. He was he's actually a heck of a worker. He can use a mic, and I think WWE missed out on him because they could have used him in different ways. And now they just brought in the guy, which he's teamed up with Magnus, Bram. He's really good on the mic and in-ring. They just have way more better quality in-ring stuff than they do compared to some of the guys in WWE. Not all of them. WWE will always have a better pool of talent of people. Yeah. But they don't always put the right people on TV. Yeah. Which, with TNA, it's the same thing. They put... They do pretty good at building the guys. They have a lot of guys that's been there since the beginning. Then they bring tons of guys in that they give them pushes for the newer guys. Which it takes, to me, TNA pushes a lot of their new guys quicker than they say WWE does. It takes yeah. forever for them to push a new guy. Right. Well, because WWE, you have to earn your respect to yeah. a lot of people where TNA, you know, most of them, I don't know, that. I think the. Way I understood and way I look, I think you know, the atmosphere is different in both areas. Oh yeah, it's gonna. Um, it, it has a. The only way TNA will ever compete with them, they have to look completely different. Yeah. Than WWE, which right. the, in the last I would say three weeks to a month, they have. Can they, you imagine if Paul Heyman went there? He almost went there. Yeah, yeah. I would if he would went there. I think TNA they, would be completely different right now. They would be. I wouldn't say they'd be beating them. They'd probably be close. They would be pretty. I wouldn't say they, they might be right at even. Well, a little bit they might be able because I know at one time they tried to compete with, they tried to, they put the show on, on Monday night. They did it for a brief thing yeah. there, which they don't need to be on the same night. Like, they just moved to Wednesday night. Which since, I think is perfect. Ever since they moved to Wednesday night, they are, like, I think this past week, their rating went up to like a 1.3. Yeah, because there's not really nothing on Wednesday nights. Now you got football coming back too, which makes it which, perfect. That's the reason they moved from Thursday to Wednesday. Yeah. Other than WWE pushing SmackDown up to Thursday night. Now. Yeah. So that's the reason they bumped. As soon as they heard SmackDown was coming to Thursday, they went up to Wednesday. And push now since you have Thursday night football on the, coming up, you'll it'll get away where they have. They'll be the only thing on there. Wrestling wise, yeah, which is it, it ever since then in the last two to three weeks that they've done it, the ratings have jumped up, and they have plus better in ring quality of matches. They're getting more physical. They're a little bit more stiffer than like USA WWE is mm-hmm. to a point with certain guys because they're from beginning to end, all their matches are pretty stiff compared to you might have one or two on WWE the guys that work that way. Now, what about um, the six-sided ring? I like it. You do? It's something different. Well, they should have never went away from it in the first place, but that was something unique and different about them. Compared, that was, Supposedly, that's what he, he claims. That's a Vince Russo idea. Oh, it probably was, which he, he screwed up a lot of things in this time. Yeah. But they should have never went away from it because that was something completely different than WWE. Yeah, I I don't like it um, because I'm an old school wrestling guy, so I don't like to say I I like the four school. The, the, yeah, you know, I like four. either one, but if I, you wanna, I just don't like it. If you want to change and make it 
look different and have different things, you you got to do some things when nobody ever had a six-sided ring. I remember when they first pulled it out. I think it was back when they were on Fox Sports back in 04, 05, something mm-hmm. like that. And they did it. And ever since, and they should have stuck with it, never went back to the four-sided. But like I said, Vince Russo wanted to go to the four-sided ring. But I, I just don't. I just don't like it. I mean, that's that's why I can't get. It. I know they came back with it. I know they, you know, I get that, but I, I just don't like it. I, I don't. Um, that's just my. I, I don't think it'll ever. I mean, I may be wrong. Maybe six out of ring is what's going to get help them be different, like you were saying, and really change the product and be what they need to be, and then be very successful. But in my opinion, I want to watch wrestling. I don't want to watch. I want to watch a wrestling ring. I don't want to see something. It's going to catch your attention. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, you're, they're putting on the same stuff as like WWE quality or decent matches, but they're not. You're just, most people see it and see the six hour ring. They're like, it, can, it gets your attention though. It's like, what's it, huh? And you watch it and you're like, huh, that's interesting. So I think it would catch people's attention because they'll see something different. That's a different looking ring, but. Um, I just personally don't like it, but that's I don't watch TNA. So if I, maybe TNA people, if there's TNA guys out there, which they are, they probably you know hate the four sided ring because it's so old school and they want the new new something new. So it is what it is. Uh, but speaking of old school, um, we're gonna touch go on a couple more things and we're gonna end the podcast. But I want to talk about old school. I want to talk about um, territories. Um, back in the day. Wrestling, wrestlers got got better in their craft, and things were better. So by the time a wrestler would get their push, they had three. They had like six years in their belt. Yeah, there's some people had ten years or more before right. they even made it to either WWE or WCW at the time. Right. And then they were more polished, and were better off to succeed instead of getting pushed right right off the bat or spending four or five months in a school or right. into a developmental territory, which the developmental territory is good, but it's got to be used correctly. It's got to be, the, the territories back in the day were amazing. You had, I mean, even, even in the, even up in the like 10 years, 15 years ago, it was a little bit, it was decent because you had mm-hmm. OVW and you still had a lot of territories. And then don't get me wrong, there's a lot of small wrestling companies out there but the territories were, you would have your Midwest, your South, you know, or whatever, your USWA, which was all in Tennessee and Kentucky and down in Georgia and South Carolina. And you had all these, and these people would, they, these people would travel throughout these whole cities and they would come to Louisville every Tuesday night. They would come to Memphis every Monday or go to all these places and you would see these same wrestlers a lot, but they would build these feuds and they, they would have to work with so many different people and work and work and work and work and the wrestlers become better and better and better and then by the time they got a push or got a got a tryout with WB or WBF, WCW, whatever, then they would, you know, they would do something else, yeah, they would have to set everything up, but it would their craft would be a lot more better than what it is now. Now don't get me wrong, I think what they're doing with the next program in the the in uh, the performance center I don't know what TNA does. I think they have some. Well, they used to be with OVW, but I don't know what. I think uh, right now I don't know if they do anything. 
lot of the guys work shows. I know a lot of their guys, the younger guys that they have brought in, the Dudley Boys train. Yeah. I don't know if they have a thing they do every month or if the Dudley Boys just send them out and work independent shows. Yeah. And then have them eventually come back and they be on TV or do something. Well, Chad and Russell's work on the independent scene works too. You know, traveling, doing independent stuff. Because independence are actually hot right now. Yeah. Because you can go anywhere, and you know there's going to be shows everywhere. You can get bookings different places. There's tons of them everywhere across the United States right now. And you always had the option, if you're deep, good enough, to go to Japan and work with Mexico and do all that. Just yeah. To, to kind of, that's the way it is now for, like, territories. It's just small independent promotions spread out through the United States and you have you still have Mexico, Japan and all that to work. But now instead of territories where you have where they go from different areas, now it's an independent promotion is based in one area and they might run shows once a week or once every month or however and that's how they do their shows now. Yeah. And it's um but when you you know, it's just it's just hard because like, you know, it just it just helped build build wrestlers, build their build their psychology. They don't learn how to promo, how to how to sell a drop toe hold. You know how mm-hmm. to how to sell how to do those kind of things. And you would get an old wrestler who's been around and just teach you things that, um, you know. Don't get me wrong. Do they have those now in those schools and those days? Yeah, but there's just something about taking people out and and not putting them into a dark match before Raw, where there's still fifteen thousand people there, but take them into a place where there's only a hundred people there, it's like, and still sell like there's a th- like there's yeah, a million like a thousand people. people there. Yeah. Last time, they, like I heard somebody say one time, OVW was a lot back in the, I want to say late nineties, early two thousands when they were still with WWE, was kind of a sort of a, they compared it to a, like a territory. Yeah, because OVW would go to Ohio, they had, all the parts of Kentucky. And whenever I was there, they had shows. You might went one weekend, you might be in E Town. Right. Next weekend, you might be up in Indianapolis, Indiana. The next weekend, you might be in Lexington, right, or outside of Lexington, because they've done a ton of shows there. And then Cincinnati, or and then they would do close to Cincinnati. They they had plus they had up in. They did quite a few at the time. When I was there, they did tons of shows in Indiana, which. At the time, Rip Rogers was the one that right. booked a lot of their uh, live events, and he was from Indiana. Right. So he would, because it was easier for him to drive from one place to the other without driving so far. Right. And But they did tons of shows in Kentucky and Indiana, parts of Ohio, and that's the way you had to be. It's I wish they still had it to a point that way. Uh, other places, but a lot of places are just one place, and that's it. Which OBW now, they still do that. They go to E Town, they go to Austin, Indiana, they go to. OBW is a terrible product. Right it's now. a terrible product. To, they have. Couple, I mean, it's terrible. They have a couple talent guys, but that's it. I mean, it's because it, it, basically know how what they they're doing. Now, what they're doing now is you brought. As soon as you get out of school, out of the class, you're put almost put on TV. I wish they would bring back more guys like this past week they brought Cliff Compton back. They they just don't bring any guys in. 
they have a couple guys that are pretty good, decent. Other than that, the rest of them are just out of the class. Uh, yeah. And they just go from there. Which, it'll help them out in the long run, because if they have any talent, they, they will know how to work TV. They will know how to do live events and stuff like that. If you have any talent and you're just coming out of there, there's a pretty good chance one of the two companies will probably end up picking you up eventually if you yeah. have some kind of talent. Yeah, right. But that's just the problem with the territory thing. Now you just don't have anything. No. You're either put straight on TV or if you're just, you're just going around to one promotion to the other just to work. Yeah. Um, talk about title belts. Of course, we just revealed the new title belt, the new logo and stuff. Uh, they finally got rid of the two belts, yeah. uh, which is the greatest decision they should have made. They they made it back in 2004, something like that, um, or whenever Chris Jericho was the first Sunday to be the champion, and then 99, I think it was. No, it was that December. Long. No, it wasn't that. It, was, it might have been December of one. No, it was um, it was in two thousand. I thought it was two thousand three or four. Because they had the two titles for a while on the two different, and they unified them. Yeah. Um, I think it was two thousand four. It might have been that. Yeah. yeah. I remember it was at a December pay per view. He won both. I think he Stone Cold and The Rock the same night. Right. Yeah. And then um, and then of course Triple H ended up winning and gets a new belt, and then eventually Brock Lesnar, The Rock. Somebody took it from him, and then. I don't remember what it was, but yeah. Um, so, I think I do think there's still too many title belts. I think they need to just unify the U.S. and the Intercontinental, but keep it as the Intercontinental title. Yeah, as much as I love the United States title and different people that held on to it, it's it's a WWE, WWE thing. It's for yeah. you. Well, that's why the WWE is not gonna. That's why they weren't gonna just turn it into the world top world heavyweight title. It was gonna be the WWE champion. Um, they weren't gonna do that. But I, um, I like the I like you know the Intercontinental. You have the world champion. You have the Intercontinental. You have the tag team titles. You have the Divas title. That's it. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Don't need any other title. Um, could you have a? Um, uh, they they tried the cruiserweight thing, but it doesn't. Could you have another? They just did. They don't do it. No. Could you have some? Correct. Could, could you have a TV title or some other kind of a title? You could, but um, your intercontinental champion really could be your TV because typically, your intercontinental champion is your best worker. Best yeah. should be their best in ring guy. The guy that the, whoever the intercontinental champion back in the day was bred to be almost becoming the next WWE champion. Right. That's how they should have it. That should mean just as much as almost the WWE title. Because you would want whoever the champion is, you want them to be probably the next possible world champion. So yeah, the um, you know, uh, I, I mean, I like them. I think you only need a few belts. I mean, I I was thinking maybe they could have you know you have the NXT champion, maybe that champion can somehow invade Raw every so often or something. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. Um, and that would be a way of uh, kind of getting people to watch. Who's this guy? You know, kind of watching NXT, yeah. watching Network. But uh, you don't. They need to unify those and get rid of those. And I think they probably eventually will. I think they're in the works. It's yeah, I think it's, that it's way. getting close to that way. Because isn't right now they're they're tag didn't the uh, Intercontinental and the U.S. title champions Sheamus and whatever have a tag team match with so. Miz and I think they kind of did. Yeah, something. they they had a match together, Sheamus and 
Cesario Sheam- or something. Yeah. Yeah, Sheamus and so- I think it was uh, Ziegler versus Miz and Cesaro or something. Like yeah, that. it was like they're kind of, so they're kind of they're gonna work on it. You know, I think they're they're doing something like that. So, but um, now the one thing that I can't stand about title belts is the customization of title belts. I think that's it's, that's the one thing I like about TNA. They don't customize their belt. It just has. I think they have a better looking belt than WWE does, but they have the TNA name on it. They don't have someone's logo on the side of it or however. Yeah, they yeah. Do it. It's it's you you know you gotta have it go like the new belt is is okay. I'll, yeah, it's you know, okay. I don't mind having the logo. I think the logo shouldn't really be that big. I think you should have. It's kind of. I wish they go back to the old Eagle belt. Though. Yeah, or something like that. Some kind of some kind of thing with the logo. Logo is always going to be on it. It's going to say you know. Um, World Wrestling Entertainment Champion or, 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 you know, WWE World Heavyweight Champion, which is dumb to say the WWE World Heavyweight Champion anyways because we're saying World Wrestling Entertainment, World Heavyweight Champion. You're an extra W, too. So it, it's just kind of dumb to do that. You just call it WWE Heavyweight Champion. But um, I think um, I think they should get away with the whole customizations. They put the logos yeah. on the side. Just keep it plain. You know, plain. Keep it good. You know, I never really. I mean, WCW when they used to put the names on it, you know, at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was kind. Of, I thought that was too much, you know, having the name the name plate. You yeah. know, I think that's that because you know when the person loses the title, they're holding up the the title that says the other person's name on it. It just it's the dumb. Next title is their name. Yeah, it's just it's customization is stupid. I think they should uh, get rid of that. Of course, they. I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes WWE listens to me or listens to my rants on. Social media or these podcasts, I don't know because they do they do do some things. But WB, if you do listen to this or anybody that has any kind of say so, if you hear this podcast, and I doubt it, but if you do, please get rid of the customization. No, you don't even have to make a you don't even have to make a big deal about it. Just stop customizing the belts, and no one would care. No one would say a word. It would just go on. I mean, you've done it before. You've you've swept stuff under the rug and, and gone on with it. Um, so. That's what that's what I say. Do there. Um, what do you think about WCB Nitro on on the network? Love it because I'm I was, back then. I watched both. I would record Raw yeah. or record Nitro, however right. it was, and then turn around. Which the good thing was I would record Raw and watch it, and then I think it was at midnight or so. The replay and Nitro. Nitro would replay. Then that's when I would record it and watch it, or just record it and watch it the next day. Yeah. Oh man, I remember late nights. Tuesday night, Tuesday night the next day at school yeah. was always. I was so tired, but yeah, I would. Um, yeah, right. I did the same thing. So yeah. I, I loved. I love some of the Nitro product now. Some of the matches I didn't care. Like some of the, I didn't care. If, uh, the match, the, the in ring ability was much better in WWE at the time, which a lot of people that that uh, have heard in interviews that came over during that time that you never were like night and day because of, wow, you mean you're actually going to work out a match and we're not going to you know so. Um, but there was a lot of good talent on there, especially the the cruiserweight division. Yeah, which um, WWE's never ever been really good at promoting. The well, that was a whole air picture, air picture and thing. WCW's since I don't know how long they've always had a connection with cruiserweights and just bringing guys in from different countries. Yeah, like from Mexico, Japan, Europe. Well, they do. They bring them from Mexico and Japan and bring that because that's I mean, the style. Those areas have seen quite often, mm-hmm. and they just push it almost like what TNA does to a point with their X division. Yeah, that's almost their main 
you might see them more often than you might see some of the heavyweights. Right. Because you know they're going to, nine times out of ten, that's their best. Well, if you think about WCW Nitro the, at back then, is that everything was tied around the NWO when they, once they got they happened. So like that, none of them really had matches. On um, it was all some kind like of for example, fir- the first ever Nitro match to Cruiserweights. Yeah, it was Brian Pillman and uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah, solid match. Pillman went nowhere near the high flyer then that he was, say four or five years prior to that. Right. Because he's more after a couple injuries and I think he had a broken leg before that and they just quit him from doing a lot of the high flying moves that he did back when you say two to three years prior to that yeah yeah it, it um definitely um you know it was they used the cruiserweight to help build the wrestling because all the all the other stars are all about the NWO and they yeah. didn't care about wrestling and they just did the pay-per-views but you know um but WCW had to, had a certain look and a certain style that I, you know I remember when I watch it I like it because it brings me back to the to the Monday Night Wars, but I still always I I I was more of a WWF guy than I was a WCW guy, only because um, of all the characters that I was more into. However, that was also at the same time the Attitude Era was starting, mm-hmm. so if I if I saw if I really was a WWF guy when before the Attitude Era with the gimmicks and the, and the cheesy gimmicks and then watch Nitro, I would have probably been more of a Nitro person yeah. and stuff. But um, but I caught into it right when the NWO was already started. Uh, I mean, of course, I watch wrestling all my life, but I mean, like, religiously every week. Yeah, I watch. I, I caught, since, to me, I, since I ever started watching wrestling, it was, I remember growing up Saturday morning, I watched, I think it was Superstars they had. Mm-hmm. And then they had a couple other shows between that in the morning. But I had USWA. I used to yeah, watch USWA. I watched USWA. Yeah. I think it came on right after Superstars did. Well, here in Louisville now. In I, Louisville. You know, wherever you're at, you might. Yeah. And then that evening, you had a uh, Saturday night uh, main event. Main event, WCW, right. And I would watch that. And same, they had every once in a while, they would have like, Clash of the Champions. Uh-huh. WCW, I would watch that. Right, so I mean, I would watch these things, and I, of course, knew all about Hogan and knew all. I mean, I knew everything, so I knew, and I knew Hogan was. I knew that Hogan was once in WBF, and I've seen some of his old matches. And I was a kid, but I was a kid, you know. I don't remember, but I remember in WCW. I remember all those things, but I guess when I was pretty much like focused on this is what I want to watch every week, it was around that time when everyone else did too. That's why I was so big and why I was so popular. But um, but I was more of a WBF guy, so I um, so I would watch it, just keep up with it, and like stuff, and laugh, and keep up with it. But you know, I would watch, I would more watch, I would more watch, I would watch the full two hours of Monday Night Raw, and only see an hour of content at WCW, mm-hmm. um, or maybe more than that when they went to three hours. I guess I saw the hour, and then I saw the the another hour of it, but. Um, once um, the attitude era really took off, then I started watching less and less of WCW, especially in the last years when they really got terrible. But I do like the fact that Nitro's on there. It is it is cool to go back and see some stuff. I've only seen a little bit. Uh, I do like the Monday Night Reward thing they got going on, uh, the little behind-the-scenes stuff they're doing. I think I told you earlier off off air, I do think I, I thought that this was, was going to down. I think it would be cool to like pick a couple dates and like actually show – 
I actually interview people and show what each show was doing at each time and kind of talk about you know this direction if they were watching the Nitro what they were doing if they changed something up and kind of go more behind the scenes there mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool to do and I think that's that's in the works so or something like that I'm sure they're going to do that because this Monday Night War story can't just have six episodes in the end I mean they got to keep it for they got to have a while they, there's a lot to talk about there's a, you can go as far as you know all the you know go from 95 to 2001 so you can do a you know, do so much on that. Yeah, cause um, I, what I think they're doing is they're dragging it out right now. It's to a point where I think it's only really in the '97 part of '98 now. Yeah. And you got there's several more episodes you can do. Yeah. Because yeah. they've added, which I've noticed, different interview people that like seem more newer compared to what they did when they put the DVD out a couple of years ago. Right. I think they've added new interviews and added different stuff and seen different videos mm-hmm. of it and showed different quality different stuff of it right um yeah so I, I think it's pretty good in that alley um it's pretty interesting so um you know it's kind of one of the what if what if WCW could have been a little bit smarter but I think a lot of that by reading Eric Bischoff's book and hearing a lot of interviews a lot of it had to do with of course there are certain times where Eric was you know a a jerk and conceited and all that stuff, but at the same time, Eric also was battling with A and or AOL merger, and they didn't want WCW and trying to get out of it. And so, I mean, there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff that we don't we don't really know that really caused the demise of WCW. So, plus it was one of the most unorganized companies you can ever work for. Right. By, if you talk to any guy that actually had any time there, like I was last night, I listened to Triple H and Jericho's podcast. Triple H said that when he first debuted down in uh, WCW, the building they went to, when he first came in, he didn't even, uh, I think Dusty Rose was doing the booking then. Didn't even know he was there. Didn't even know he was there. He said, what are you doing here? Yeah, he didn't know he was supposed to go over too, he was supposed to go over the match. And I don't think they knew until like two or three minutes before this thing. Yeah. I'm like, you can't run something and actually... Yeah. Without having the talent, know what the, he said, he didn't even know how to get to the ring. Yeah. Right. Yeah, let me get to the ring. Where and, you know, and that's the that's the um, other thing too. Yeah, about that. There's things like that. But also, Eric Bischoff talked about it in his book, or maybe it was an interview. I think it was more of his book. But he mentioned that during that time, WWF had it still does their own crew, mm-hmm. their cameraman or their cameraman. Yeah. Because WCW was owned by Turner, the cameraman they would get probably just filmed a Braves game the night before mm-hmm. and they came in to do that so they would have different people shifting so you would have to go over the cameraman and do these angles and they didn't have the same crew it was all different crews yeah. so if they could have got a set crew then their product could have been better and they could have communicated more like that when it comes yeah. to TV and, and there was other issues like that too because there were so many things you had CNN involved and you had you know Turner and it's uh, just so I get I understand that porn, porn of it they really never that, had a boss they never did no like one person might tell you something, then you go to the next person, you're going to get a different... And all they cared about was winning the ratings. They didn't even care about pay-per-view, buy rights, mm-hmm. merchandise. They didn't. All they cared was winning the ratings, beating Vincent Man in the ratings. Once they had that, they didn't care. And then, of course, I think um, what Eric always talks about, when they added Thunder, that did it. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what started the whole demise. And that really, if you look back, that's when it did. When they added Thunder, that was it. Uh, of course, it called, it called WWE to add SmackDown. Yeah. Which I think if they never added Thunder, WWE would never add a SmackDown. There'll only be one, still one show to this day. 
Which right now you probably would it probably would be a good thing if he always had one show. I think it'd be a perfect thing. I think I think either I think the le- less is better. Mm-hmm. The less product you have on TV, the more the more that'll also push to the network too. But um, all right, well this has been a long podcast, a good podcast. I'm glad we got this together. Um, you know, and uh, talked about a lot. There's a few things we didn't touch on, but that's okay. We'll save it for next time, and plus there'll be more, more to talk about. But um, we, I, I kind of hit it around this earlier, and I didn't want to bring it up because I have the moment of the week uh, this week to talk about, and um, it's ultimately the feud that started the Attitude Era, really, and it's the uh, the feud the feud with Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, try to YouTube it. Try to go on the network, and I think there's a there's a network thing out there, a special about their match at WrestleMania 13. But their feud really was longer than that. And uh, I think it started the Survivor Series. Yeah. But um, their feud was amazing. Uh, it was a great transition for Stone Cold to go into the level he went into. Great synergies for Bret Hart to become the, the, the heel character that he ended up becoming the, um, that led into, well, hopefully his, his, his screw job. But it, it, uh, it really was amazing uh, feud. And, and um, it was Stone Cold at his best. Just getting started, just on the edge of what he could do. Um, and it was before the neck injury too. So Stone Cold before the neck injury was a lot different in the ring than he was. He was a lot more edgier too. I think he just got that neck injury. You know, he was in pain towards the, for a lot of few years, and he, I think he was still in pain the rest of his career. Um, so it, it, it's a definite uh, must see. Um, I mean, I just remember. I think we talked about this earlier. The whole amulet scene mm-hmm. feud on on Raw when he. They put him in the front seat and yeah. they locked the door and he's punching him and then Davy Boy is trying to get him he's knocking Davy Boy Smith. It was just amazing. Such a great feud. And then of course they lead to the big match at, at WrestleMania thirteen with the blood and the passing out and mm-hmm. uh, one of the rare great. ways of switching characters all in a match. Yeah. Where you turn one guy a bad guy and the other guy goes to a good guy. Yeah, the the second time I've seen that happen was uh, Rock and Hogan. Mm-hmm. Uh, WrestleMania 19 or 18. I think it was when they were in Toronto that year. Yeah, it was Toronto 18. Yeah, with Rock versus Hogan, Icon versus Icon. Which, if you ever rewatch that match, it's all Rock in that match because mm-hmm. Rock carried Hogan. But, but people Hogan wanted, led the most of the match, but you just to a certain point. But you know he physically can't do nothing compared to no, what. no, and he. But it was great that they did this match, and then of mm-hmm. course the whole. Reveal, you know, they shook the hands, and then uh, um, Hogan going back to the red and yellow, and he ended up, ended up letting me have a title run for a couple, a month or two months or whatever, which was, months, yeah. which was, which did he deserved? Did they needed to put him on the title one more time, and and in that, um, you know, do that and kind of go with that, which I think Brock Lesnar was the one that ended up taking it from him, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. A couple months later, I think he won it back or something like That's that. That's what it was. That was the. That was, there we go, we talked about earlier, that was the whole uh, undisputed title. Mm-hmm. Jericho, that was where Triple H won the title uh, yeah. from him, lost it the next month The next month to to Hogan, mm-hmm. and then Brock took it from him, and then Brock ran the SmackDown, and they brought the, they, they broke, then yeah, they split they, the titles back they up. They put again. the world title out, yeah. Yeah, because that's when Bischoff came on, and Bischoff brought, uh, Bischoff brought the world title mm-hmm. back. <laughs> so, yeah, because um, it was the WCW champion. And when he brought it back, it became the world champion. Yeah, they had the WWE yeah. champion, then they had the world champion. Yeah, they just um, called it the world title. They didn't call it the 
WWE title. And then it was WF champion of the world title. Or WWE. Well, I think they said WF until I think like a month, a year later they had they lost the, the rights. Um, but that's a great, that's the moment of the week. Just check that out. Great feud. Um, uh, but Clint, man, has been awesome. A good podcast, man. Okay, uh, I'm glad we got this worked out. And uh, I'm sure this is not the first time, or not going to be the last time uh, that this is going to happen. Um, you know, we'll try to try to schedule again. Um, hope you guys enjoyed, um, you know, and enjoyed this podcast. And like I said, I'm, I'm working on guests. Uh, talk to as much I got Matt Capitale. I got some others that I'm talking about trying to get on um, and trying to work out. And then, you know, of course, Clint's going to probably be on, like I said, again and, and talk and do some things. And uh, maybe Clint, since Clint knows some people, maybe Clint can, can work out some other interviews. I don't know, maybe Clint can, can get Sandale for me. Since you wrestled him in the tag match, and um, I'm just teasing, you got to know him well enough to do that. But um, you know, it'd be pretty cool to get some other guests on here. So we're working it out. So I appreciate you listening to the podcast uh, and um, and checking it out. Uh, once again, thanks to LastSportsCaster.com for allowing me to post the spot, put the podcast on there, and uh, check out all the sponsors uh, for that website. Check out all the other podcasts. There's some great podcasts out there. If you're a sports fan, uh, you'll love it. Um, and uh, until next time, be good and um, thanks for listening to the Power Driver. See you.